HBs, you're listening to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two pals recap the plot of romance novels while swooning, giggling, and relating with the text. This is a romance-loving zone. Let's start by shouting out one of our esteemed patrons. Carrie A., you are a graphorn, a humpbacked purple creature with golden horns that is native to the mountains of Europe. You're known for your toughness. Nobody defeats a graphorn, not even a dragon, because your skin is so thick it repels dragon fire and spells. You also have a mouthful of tentacles that is pretty good for finding snacks, and when you combine that mouth with your sexy, sexy brain, very good at besting anyone in an argument. So, you keep being a fucking badass, because that phrase was pretty much invented for you. And now, we have such a fun treat. Tiffany Rice came on Heaving Bosoms. <laughs> I, Melody, got to talk to living legend Tiffany Rice about her favorite historical romance novel, and it's basically a Christmas miracle. Happy holidays to us, HBs! Here we go! Hey, Tiffany, it's so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> it's very good to be on the bosoms. Um, hmm. Yeah, you were, I think, our first author engagement. It was crazy. You should see the absolutely bananas text between Aaron and I. I wish I could, or maybe I shouldn't. That might. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mostly just a screenshot of when you followed us on Instagram. Uh, circled in highlighter and like way too many emojis <laughs> being like what's happening to us <laughs> well that was your you we were sucking you into the romance community dragging you kicking and screaming whether you wanted us or not <laughs> i should have asked i should have asked for consent first but <laughs> we weren't quite to that conversation yet but now i know better but we i'm weren't. i'm we glad weren't. you i'm glad you all have joined us yeah, it started as one a, a mild us, flirtation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've got some things going on. Do you want to tell everybody about them? Um, I always have things going on. I know, uh, you're very busy. Yes, yes. Pr I, I was recently complimented by my ex-English professor on how prolific I was, which oh. is sort of sort of a backhanded compliment. It's I haven't read oh, any it? of your books, Tiffany, but I've noticed there's a lot of them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the subtext, and that's fine. That's fine. I, I don't, sure, I don't sure. write what he usually reads, but I appreciate that. No, so uh, two new books this year. So the first was The Rose, which was a sort of standalone sequel to The Red, which you all did a podcast on um, oh, yeah. last year, the year before. Um, and I, lis I listened to part of it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an excellent book. so it's I tried to talk you all out of it, so I guess I'm glad I didn't talk you all out of oh, it. Oh, <laughs> hell no. That is, it's like almost all of my catnip at one time. Wonderful, wonderful. And I should say, I don't know if you know this or not, but you were an extra good friend to me this year. Oh, goodness. I took the rose as a personal birthday present because that's when it came out. April 16th is my birthday. Oh, wow. Well, happy belated birthday. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was all for you. It was all for you. Thank you. I gloated to Aaron about it. And now <laughs> I have this sound bite. 
So she knows that it was all it for was me. It was all on purpose. Yes, That's definitely. Right. Yes. <laughs> so the uh, the red, if anyone has read it, is uh, an erotica slash a pornographic romp. Uh, one of those classic mm-hmm. old body novels that I was trying to write in the same vein as the story of Owen, uh, but much happier, much more more playful than story of Owen and Rice's Sleeping Beauty Chronicles. Mm. So th- those were my inspirations, and I even I even did the word count to match. All those books are between sixty three and sixty five thousand words, and uh, the red kind of landed smack dab in the middle. And oh, it was really? a book that I, I wrote really on a whim <laughs> between deadlines. And I thought, I told my husband that maybe 500, 1,000 original Sinners readers would read it because a lot of people don't know this about The Red who just sort of stumbled across it. But the mm-hmm. book came from my original Sinners series. My main character, Mistress Nora, is an erotica mm-hmm. writer. The Red was her book, she wrote. I'm putting her book in quotes. Oh, and I've had so many readers say, will you cool. ever write one of Nora's books? Again, I'm putting Nora's books in quotes. Um, and finally, yeah. I had I had time between deadlines and I thought The Red had a pretty good premise. And in, <gasps> in the book, The Angel, it's just mentioned that The Red is about a woman who owns a struggling art gallery. A mysterious uh-huh. man comes and offers to get her out of debt in exchange oh, for her Malcolm. sexually submitting to <laughs> sexually oh. submitting to him for for a period of one year. So there was no that was it. It gets like one mention in the whole series, but that's the one that I thought, oh, that's got a pretty good premise. I could write that. I'm between Hell deadlines. Yeah. I don't have anything else to do. So I, I wrote it for fun. Red, it was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I love that in your world, something like The Red is just like a fun side project. <laughs> like, it's just incredible to yes. me. That's, that's like your level of skill. I still and, remember oh. being in bed. Yeah, I was in bed and just couldn't sleep. And it just hit me, this urge to, to write The Red. I just thought, that is such a good premise. I shouldn't waste it on a fictional character. I should write mm. it. Um, so the rough draft I wrote really in three weeks with no plan. I wrote the first chapter, the first chapter where Malcolm tells Mona to, to dress or wait for him as Olympia. And yeah, it was yeah, only yeah. at that point that I thought, oh, well, I will just make every chapter based on a painting. Ah. Um, so oh, I, I had no plan going into the book. It just sort of happened. And um, so the the red, all the love scenes, love scenes, sex scenes, porno scenes are are inspired mm. by real paintings. Whereas in yeah. the rose, all the uh, the love scenes are inspired by Greek mythology. Yes. Uh, so that was the theme of that one. Um, and then the red takes place in kind of the late mid 1990s. Mm-hmm. And then the the rose takes place about 22 years later when um, Mona has an adult daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And her adult daughter gets to have her turn at being as naughty as her parents. Yeah. So, yes, The Rose is a lot of fun. It's probably the it was very hard to write. It was sort of penance for how easy The Red was to write, was how really? hard The Rose was to write. Um, it just I had a completely different vision for it going in. It was going to be a much darker book. And then it turned into a completely different, much happier, much lighter sort of uh, erotic, joyful romp of a book. It is joyful. Yeah, it really is. I had I decided to let go of my original idea to make it sort of uh, Persephone and Hades retelling. And then I went with, you know, the Aphrodite, Eros mm-hmm. romance, um, erotic romance side of, of uh, Greek mythology instead of the darker side. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's the rose, all Greek mythology, very playful, very body and naughty body as in B-A-W-D-Y, not right. B-O-D-Y, although there's right. a lot of B-O-D-Y. D-Y. There's a lot of B-O-D-Y <laughs> in there. <laughs> yes. So that's the rose and that came out in April. Yeah, I love what a celebration it is of uh, not only like a very sex positive household, but also just of Greek mythology in general. 
I loved it so much. We're actually going to do the rose as well. I don't oh know <laughs> when it's on the docket, but I can't not. It was your personal birthday gift to me. Yes, it was. Come on. So maybe in April. Maybe in April. <laughs> maybe in April. Yeah. 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 And then you also have a Christmas anthology coming out. Uh, yes. Also for original Sinners fans, if, if, mm-hmm. you've, if you've never read an original Sinners book, you will be completely lost with Winter Tales. But um, yeah. Uh, every year as a gift to my readers, I've written them a free novella that I released right before Christmas. And many, many readers have asked for them in paperback. Um, so this year we put most of the, the, the big ones, the three that most people have really read and loved um, and have asked for most in paperback are in mm-hmm. the anthology, plus a brand new Christmas novella called December Wine that fills in a lot of gaps between the book, The Mistress and The Saint. A lot of people have said, is there a book in between there? Because a lot happens. It's like, no, I just, yeah. I skipped it all and I'm referring, <laughs> I refer back to it. So you, uh, I finally get to fill in some of those gaps there with that novella. Um, and then a new, uh, uh, a bonus Christmas short story called uh, Blood and Snow that takes place concurrently with December Wine. So readers get two new Christmas stories this year. Just unlike in years past, they have to buy it. But I, like I said, I've been doing this freebies for about six yeah. years. So throw me a bone here. We just it's bought a house. Time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, congrats on your house. Oh, thank That's you. That's a big thank deal. You. Yeah. I'm sitting in the kitchen right now because our next door neighbor has an elderly blind dog that Aww. when they put him out in the backyard, he's immediately confused and barks at everything. So <laughs> I found the room in the house that's the quietest where you can hear the barking dog the least. So I hope you can't hear cool. him. But if that's if if you do, I'm sorry. He's he's old and he's blind and he's sweet, but uh, we can't get that's him to okay. shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Bless him. Okay. We actually, um, so you have been so kind and you're going to stick around um, to do a bonus episode for our patrons. And we do have the most questions about, uh, like, in addition to just like your writing and inspirations and stuff, we have a lot of questions about Original Sinners as well as The Red. So just... As Nora would say, hit me. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But first... You have chosen an absolute snack of a novel that we're going to recap today called A Christmas Promise. I'm so glad you all let me pick this book because I have such a strong attachment to it. Um, It's one of the few romance novels I'll get in fights over with people. I will be there. I will be your second. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Because there is a lot of bad behavior in it that I completely sympathize with. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll get to that. But I have to tell the story of how I discovered this book. Please, please, please. I was on this first year. I'm doing it again this year. So it'll be my fourth year. But five or six years ago, I took my first week-long silent retreat at a Jesuit retreat center a couple hours from my house. And it is silent for a solid week. The only time you speak the entire time you're there is 45 minutes a day. You speak with your spiritual director. You just check in and they ask how you're doing, what you're thinking about, what you're praying about, that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not therapy. It's just a conversation. Um, Sure. But there are about 40 other people there. Most of them are nuns, sisters, and priests or deacons. Um, and there are a few lay people like me who come because they can. They, do, they don't have jobs. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I was able to finally quit my day job and write full time. So I got to do this one full, full week off of silence. And they warned us at dinner that snow was coming. So I decided oh. since I wanted to keep... Um, keep walking every day at this beautiful retreat center that has woods and whatnot and a little river. Mm. Um, I I ran to the nearest store, which was a Walmart, to get some uh, snow boots. 
And um, even though it's a silent retreat, you are allowed to leave if you need. <laughs> if you have an emergency, yeah, yeah, you're allowed yeah. to leave. So we all went for provisions and extra scarves and gloves because we knew the snow was coming. So I bought my rubber boots. But as I was leaving, I saw the book section. And oh. there was this book, uh, uh, Christmas Promise by Mary Bellog. And I just mm-hmm. grabbed it because it had a pretty cover. And it was Christmas. And I was in a Christmas mood. So I went back to a Jesuit retreat center and devoured this book as the snow started coming down. Oh. So, so I not only have, and it was like this m- magical week. It was just a magical, peaceful, wonderful week where I was dealing with a lot of old crap and, and focusing mm. on the future. And so it it is buried deep in my heart as being part of this wonderful week. And I actually think about it every time I go back. So I'll go back next week. I'll be gone at this thing. And maybe I'll take the book with me and reread it. Although you I just should. Oh. But so yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's tied to this book. very like yes. transformational experience yes. for you. Yes. That is so cool. And it helps. It's such a great book. Well, and it's also a really beautiful story of healing, yes. too. Yes. So it's a gorgeous story of grief and healing and, you know, misunderstanding to understanding yeah. and, yeah. Mm hmm. Absolutely. That is so. So, did it have the same cover that I have, where she's looking over her shoulder with a tiny present in her hand? Yes, yes. Although uh, the the original one is um, a sort of uh, arty drawing, like a uh, watercolor scene almost of of people ice skating. They're very tame covers, the original and the the new cover. They so are. you don't realize looking at it that it is full <laughs> of gritty hate fucking. <laughs> Oh my god. When you sent that email and you were like, hey, how about this, this one? Book? It's got a lot of hate fucking in it. I was like, I can't wait. This is so exciting. That either that either sells the book to you or warns you off of it forever. Correct. It's either your thing or it's not, and it's totally my thing. I oh. love I love marriage of convenience books where the couple genuinely dislikes each other because yeah. I think if I were forced into a marriage of convenience, I would truly be very upset with the situation and yeah not this would it be well. <laughs> a lot of my experience um yeah okay well should we just get into it we should we should recap Brilliant. the book are you, you are you doing the recap or shall i oh we're doing it together okay. this is a collaborative experience we're gonna go okay. um we'll just like tell the plot as we go okay and then if you've got reflection or opinions or anything you just oh, jump in opinions. when i know right i'm so excited <laughs> so we've got opening scene the Earl of Faladin. Is that how you pronounce it too? Uh, that's how I pronounced it in my head. So we'll go with that. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Earl of Faladin is like at his desk being really bleak because he has no money and so much debt. And this really impertinent coal merchant like sends his card and is like, I'm here now. Please come see me in the drawing room, right? Yes, the front door, <laughs> not the back door. Yeah, that dick. <laughs> he doesn't know his place at all. What an upstart parvenu. Oh, indeed. So at first he's like, no, tell this guy to fuck off. We're not doing this today. <laughs> Send him to the housekeeper. <laughs> yeah. But he's not a coal merchant. He's a coal baron. He's a coal mazillionaire. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So he takes the meeting and Mr. Transom looks at him and he's like the very first words out of his mouth, which I found to be hilarious, were um, are basically like, oh, yeah, you're pretty hot for an yes, earl. Yes. As he's like looking, rubbing his hands a together. A fine figure of a man. Yes. <laughs> he's like, excellent. This book could have gone in a very different direction. It really could have. <laughs> so over the course of this very, very brief meeting, 
Mr. Transom is like, I've purchased every single one of your debts and you will either marry my daughter or I will call them in and you'll go to debtor's prison, essentially. <laughs> so he's being held hostage. Our, our Earl hero is being held hostage from about page three. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like doing all of his best, like, you know, gentlemanly curtness. And he's like, what if I just throw you out, sir? But by the end of the thing, Mr. Transom's like, listen, she's beautiful. She's refined. You would be basically blessed to have her. And I want to be a grandfather of an earl. So if you marry her, I will cancel all of your debts. And then you get all of my monies and it's yes, a lot of them. half the fortune and my daughter gets the other half so once you marry her you'll have it all you'll be one yeah. of the richest men in england he discovers so hard yeah to, hard to say no to that although he is god bless him tempted oh he's trying so hard to say no isn't he, he? is he uh. is so he's like listen bro i'm gonna give you 24 hours to think about it i'll be back tomorrow so then we switch perspectives and ellie is reading a letter from her second cousin. I still like can't hork enough about the whole cousin business, but it's fine. It's fine, you guys. It's, it's very times. Yes, it is. It's uh, Regents <laughs> late, I believe, late Regency, early Victorian, if we have a coal merchant. And uh, uh, it's, it's still not unheard of for first cousins to marry each other in small European countries. Yes. And it's actually legal in about 10 United States states. Still to this day. To yeah. this day, yes. But these are second cousins. Um, although I spend a lot of, I have many second cousins and it would be weird. But yes, the, mm -hmm. our, our Ellie is has been courted by her second cousin, Wilfred. And she's into it, even she with is. a name like Wilfred. Yes. <laughs> she has overlooked his unfortunate name. <laughs> To be fair, the Earl's <laughs> name is Randolph. That's but, true. It's you know, true. We're not all blessed with beautiful names like Tiffany. That's right. So That's right. the uh, our poor Ellie is getting dumped via letter by her second cousin yeah. because he cannot afford to marry her. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't care about that. She really genuinely doesn't care about money or position. She just wants him. But he doesn't feel that he could marry a very wealthy man's daughter when he himself has no money or position because he would he has pride and he doesn't want to uh, bring her down in the world or look like he's he's social climbing. So it's it's right. it's very much a, a male pride thing, but it breaks her 19 year old heart. I'm going to harp on this a little bit that she is 19 yeah. years old. Because she does overreact several times in the book. But she's a fetus. Yes. Like, <laughs> I don't know if her frontal lobe is fully developed yet. It is like, not. Cut 19, yes, I cut, her, <laughs> I cut her all the slack. This Rereading right. this book made me reflect on my own own 19th year. And, oh, my God. Uh, it was rather shameful. So mm -hmm. I, I, I will defend her to my grave. Yeah. But yes, back Agreed. to the story. <laughs> yeah. So now she's like, well, Wilfred doesn't. Wilfred has given me up. So I'm not going to fight my father on his last wishes anymore. And yeah, I guess I'm going to marry this fucker I've never met is basically her outlook. And she is not happy about it, no, but she no. is going to be polite about it. God because her it. father is dying. We have to make this clear yeah. as well. Uh, you said his his dying wish. It is. He is literally dying. He has yeah. about a couple weeks left and he wants to see his daughter well married before he passes away. Right. Because his doctor said that he should be dead. And the only reason he's not is because of sheer force of will, essentially. Yes. And so 
he's just holding out until he can see his daughter settled with glimmers of happiness on her horizon because he doesn't live in a fantasy land. He knows that his daughter does not want to do this right now. He knows that his daughter does not share his same values, but he's like, listen, I have all of this money. And the one thing that our family does not have is titles and and lands. And so this is the way to do that. And he also had a really romantic marriage with his wife, but wasn't it also sort of an arrangement at first? That I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. remember. Uh, I just know that he did yeah. love his wife and he he misses her desperately. She's been dead since Ellie was six. So he's been a yeah. single parent since since she was six years old. And it is, it is the oh. 18-teens or 1820s. Uh, so he has, and, you know, we... Forgive the past quite a bit um, for for mm. their foibles and uh, social climbing was one of the sins of the past, although it still exists today. Uh, sure. I, I remember a conversation on Twitter before I, I left Twitter over uh, Kate Middleton um, and how, you know, William had Prince William had married a commoner. No. Um, and <laughs> and one of one of my British friends said, not really. I mean, technically, yes, she is a commoner, but her parents had groomed her her entire life, her and her sister, to go to the right mm. schools and to have the right education and to make the right contacts so they could marry into the aristocracy. Right. So even in our day and age, this is still happening. Wow. Even when it doesn't afford the same, you know, protections uh, that it did in the past. So yeah, social absolutely. climbing is still a thing. So Ellie's father is is a social climber. It's the, like you said, it's the one thing he can't buy with his money is mm-hmm. a title. But now he's found a way to buy a title for his daughter. Yeah. And it's also there's also this other layer in her point of view that like she doesn't like the idea in general just because position is nothing to her, but she particularly does not like the idea because she has been abused by the gentry yes. in the past for being what they call a sit, right? Yes. A sit. Yes, okay, she's good. a citizen's daughter. Yes. Yeah, she when she was 17, she went to uh, an... Uh, uh, a summer I, party. Yes, a summer party. <laughs> I think the daughter of an earl or someone, the daughter mm-hmm. of a baron and who she'd gone to school with. And the male guests at the party attempted liberties with her uh, mm-hmm. because they thought she would be easy since she was not a lady. Um, and she fought back in her, her own uh, manner by adopting an obnoxious Cockney accent and, and behaving ridiculously the rest of the time. Yeah. Basically giving them what they wanted. If they, mm-hmm. if they want low class, she was going to do that. So this is... But in uh, the most annoying ways possible, know, so that they I, wouldn't want to touch her with a 10-foot yes. pole. She's smart, our Ellie. She is. She's very, very smart. bright. Very bright. I like her yeah. a lot. And then she's also pretty disgusted with him in particular, because she thinks that he is the one who racked up all these debts, even though we find out at the very, very beginning that it's not him. It was his a couple of predecessors. Yes. His cousin had, uh, who was the previous Earl, had racked up all mm-hmm. these gambling debts um, and had owed a lot of money to moneylenders. And then when he inherited the title, he could have disavowed the debts. That is something that apparently the aristocracy were allowed to do. Uh, mm. These are not my debts. I'm not going to pay them. Uh, but he did the honorable thing, which was, no, I will pay my cousin's debts, right. even if it takes me until my last breath. You know, he's a man of honor. But the thing is that Ellie doesn't know this. No. And her father never bothers to tell her that. No. I think because he assumes that the Earl would tell her this, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. Um, so she's laboring under the misinformation that um, she's being forced to marry a gambler. 
Yeah. Which would be horrifying and, and upsetting. So her her horror of this, even though he's he's handsome and he's an earl, is pretty understandable. Yeah, absolutely. So then we go to the night that night, and the Earl is drunk as a skunk. He is attempting to fox himself out of <laughs> being able to deal with this anymore. Which I love, because you don't see that very often uh-huh. in romance novels, is, is heroes behaving like normal men, getting yeah. drunk and complaining <laughs> to their friends um, that something horrible has gone wrong. And I was really, really happy to see that, that he, he's got a mistress, um, he yeah. gets drunk, <laughs> he doesn't do this very yeah. often, uh, she's very clear about, but... That he does have his guy friends and he does get drunk with them. Yeah, he's having a crisis right now. Yes, yes. He's going to do something. I I appreciate when characters are not too perfect to be believable. And I I found that believable, perfect, and very endearing. I would be Uh tempted. And I'm not much of a drinker myself. But uh, yes, I would be very tempted. Yeah. So eventually he succumbs and says, yes, I'm going to marry this bloody girl. <laughs> yeah. And he does. He has a quick conversation because he's with his friend Albert or Bertie. Bert. And they both think that Albert has met her before, but they're not sure of it. And he's like, if it's the same girl, then like you are in for a ride because she is horrendous. Horrible working class accent, obnoxious, yeah. rude. Uh, yes, but that's only because she was playing that role. But again, yeah. he doesn't know this. Again, another another misunderstanding. I love misunderstandings. Oh, same. So then they they meet with the dad, and you know what? Uh, I had I had some I had an eyebrow cocked throughout this whole scene because the dad is a lot. He is. Um, he is. If, if if there's a, a villain in the book, it is the dad. <laughs> <laughs> he has some flaws. He does. I mean, and it's not even it's not even that. It's it's more just like the idea of my dad having this conversation with someone because they're hammering out the details, and the dad is like, "I have two conditions." Oh yes, one good lord. You gotta fuck my daughter on night one. Yes. It has to happen. I want you. I want you fucking her so good on night one. <laughs> that, like, promise me on your word of honor as a gentleman, you'll like, fuck my daughter. You're gonna, yes, you're gonna dick my daughter into next week. Is basically in, the in conversation. fairness, there is concern <laughs> that he could sue her. At some point for yes, divorce, yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm. sue her for divorce if, <laughs> if the marriage is not consummated or she's yes. not a, quote, true wife to him. So it is, he, right. and he knows he's dying. So it's like, we don't have time for you all to wait <laughs> and do two weeks of foreplay getting to know each other. Get it oh over with. Um, it's so funny. I know. Though. It's it's incredibly, oh, so awkward. So awkward. Yeah, because uh, like, call me old fashioned or or I guess not at all old fashioned. Let's call you modern. <laughs> My dad and enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's number one. And then I actually liked the other one. He's like, you need to live together for at least the first year. Yes. No abandoning I, her after you bang her. Yeah, and he ends this conversation. It's actually beautiful. He's like, My daughter is a treasure, and I think that you're not gonna regret this, even though you might not be happy about it right now. And then they sign papers and then Faladin. So the Earl has a sweetheart that he wants to marry. And he also has a mistress, as you said before. So he spends like a few pages mourning his relationship 
with Dorothea because he knows that in the next week he has to break it off completely with yes. her. He wasn't he wasn't even officially courting her because he couldn't. He had all these debts, but but they did have mm. feelings for each other and had been open about that. Yeah. So then the next day he goes and they meet for the first time because he's going to formally ask her to marry him. And I cannot tell you how much I love this scene because she she walks in and or he walks in and it says he was a harsh and proud man, she decided, in an instant first impression. Yes. <laughs> Here we have pride and prejudice all over again. Mm-hmm. Throughout this exchange, she absolutely refuses to curtsy to him. She refuses to call him my lord or any other honorific. She Her her chin just seems to become more elevated in defiance. Higher and higher and higher <laughs> as she gets more and more disgusted with yes. him and herself. Yeah. Again, she is 19, and this sort of oh. passive-aggressive behavior is exactly what I would have done in her place. Absolutely. Absolutely. She does, however, as Erin would say, identify him as a sexy man. Yes. Hard to deny. Yeah. She hates everything about him, but she will give us that. Oh, man. And then I do, I have to read this one part, because he asks her to marry him, and she says, of course. And then he goes, Then I am a fortunate man, he said, making another bow and reaching out his right hand. It was a slim, long-fingered hand, well manicured, the hand of an aristocrat. She looked at it for several moments before finally placing her own in it. It was warm and surprisingly strong hand, she thought, as it closed around hers. Then he was lifting her hand to his lips, warm lips, and her eyes traveled upward to his eyes. They were very blue and very cold and held hers as steadily as hers held his. He hated her as she hated him, she thought. Good. That was good. Let him (laughs) suffer for Papa's money. (laughs) So much passion. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. So juicy. It's so juicy. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, HBs, if you're looking for your next holiday read, hurry out and get Stocking Stuffers by Erin McClellan. It's about a commitment-phobic, Scrooge-like heroine, Sasha, who sells sex toys for a living, and Perry, a Christmas-loving, romance-reading hero. They get snowed in at a Christmas-themed B&B with nothing to do but each other. And luckily, Sasha has a big red bag full of toys to keep them occupied. But the frisky festivities turn complicated as feelings spark between Sasha and Perry. Perry wants to see Sasha once the snow clears, but Sasha is reluctant to take the relationship sleigh ride again. Perry will have to show her that love is more than just a holiday feeling. You guys, I cannot rave about this novella enough. It's incredibly inclusive, sex positive, feminist, dripping in tinsel, clever, and leaves you with a feeling that love and holiday magic can overcome anything. Best-selling author Naima Simone is just one person who shouted its praise from the rooftops. Here's what she said. With a heroine who owns her sexuality with a boldness that is admirable, and a refreshing and sensitive hero who's a lover of romance books and family, Stocking Stuffers is a fun, kinky, and yes, swoony holiday romance packed with laughs, hot sex, emotion, and a love that will have you rooting for the happily ever after in ugly Christmas sweaters. 
I'll put buy links in the show notes so you can get your copy ASAP. You won't regret it. Yes, so they loathe each other. She thinks that he's marrying her solely for money and to get out of his gambling debts. And he thinks she is marrying him for his title. And they hate each other too much to talk about it, uh, which is exactly... (laughs) Exactly. The position I have been in before when I've been in love-hate relationships, and you just, you enjoy punishing the other person with your silence. Absolutely. And so they they do this. So it's an absolute miracle that it works out. But, you know, it's a land of fiction. We'll enjoy it. Yeah. And he's also, he also misunderstands a lot of her relationship with her dad, because she will not lower herself, sort of, to show any emotion in front of him. And so in the next few scenes... He mistakes her being sort of distant as unfeeling for her father and her father's condition. Yes, he's her dad's in a ton of pain. So she can't even hug him without hurting him. So the Earl keeps expecting her to show affection for her father and she'll just barely lightly kiss his forehead. But her father, you know, her father's just in constant pain. So she's actually being careful and thoughtful and not cold. But when you have decided someone is something, it is really, really hard to change your first impression of them. Absolutely. So he thinks that she's what he calls a cold fish. He does, however, also identify her as a sexy lady. She is. (laughs) She's got this flaming red hair and she's you know, curvy in all the right places and slim in the other ones. And, you know, it's it's a whole thing. She's a hot teenager. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so so he spends the next week, like, breaking up with Dorothea and betting his mistress, Alice. And he loves that she's just, like, placid and amenable. And he's like, all right, well, I'll be back the day after my wedding. And she's like, really? So soon? Really? Yes. Really? Clearly not a love match. Yeah. And he's like, no, I hate this bitch. So (laughs) I will be back. Okay. So then Ellie, poor Ellie, shows up to her wedding after I think like three sleepless nights of caring for her dad. Yes. Because he's in a really bad way. But he musters the strength and the fortitude to come to the church and also go to the wedding breakfast. Which is so awkward. The whole thing is so awkward. Quite. Uh, yeah, especially Birdie's when she's there. Yeah, Birdie, who treated her like crap at the summer party when she was 17, turns out to be her husband's best friend. Awkward. Yeah. And is now pretending that he's never met mm-hmm. her before, even though he knows and she knows and everybody she knows. Oh, knows. they know. They know. But <laughs> they're like just not talking about it. So they have the wedding breakfast with the dad and Birdie. And afterwards, she insists that he goes home because she she knows how terrible he's been. He's on death's doorstep. Yeah. And, and nobody else seems to be noticing because he's doing such a good job of like showing his elation. And so she also wants to go home with him. And she has this really, really tragic moment where she's like, oh, my God, this is my home now. Yeah. I can't go home. <laughs> and I know that my dad only has like maybe three days left. And yet my place is no longer with him, even for that tiny amount of time that I could be spending with him. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. But on the <laughs> outside, she she he calls her the marble lady because she's she that's her defense mechanism. Yes, yes. She shuts it's just down. to sort of yeah. So she insists that he goes home. And then she and the Earl, 
he accompanies her to her father's mm-hmm. house, uh, and she stays with him during the final two days before Wait, he no. dies. Wait, no. Whoa. What? Did I miss part? Whoa. Oh, yeah, we missed did. the wedding night. What oh, the my God. What are you doing? <laughs> that was after, after the wedding yeah, night she goes back to the house. That's let's right. recall, oh. one of her dad's mandates was to fuck That's her real right. good that night. <laughs> oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. <laughs> oh, daddy, indeed. So... <laughs> Well, in some ways it makes sense because it would be even harder to do it when you just buried your dad. Uh, So at least he's still alive at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so wedding night. Dad goes home. She's alone. Mm -hmm. And there's no escape. And he tries to, like, wait as long as he possibly can. He's like, there's this red-haired vixen in the next door. Woe is me that I have to bed her. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes in and she's like, He's expecting her to be, like, curled under her blankets, hiding. And she is not. She is sitting in her nightdress by the fire, knowing what her fate is. And they have these exchanges that are just biting and wonderful. Oh, so vicious. (laughs) So vicious. So I, I literally, I think I have, like, two pages of just quotes from this scene because I I want to read the whole scene to you listener. I can't do that though, but I do just an example of, of one of the paragraphs. Okay. So it says the thought that she was beautiful struck him again, quite dispassionately her nightgown, all silk and lace. It must've cost transom a fortune accentuated the slender curves of her body and her hair was thick and shiny and wavy and lay like fire along her back. He thought again of the incongruity of her hair and her character. So, my lady, he said, walking toward her across the carpet, you have become the Countess of Falladin today. A life's ambition fulfilled? There was a half-smile on her lips, an expression he had not seen before. So, my lord, she said, you have become debt-free today and rich beyond your mildest dreams. A life's ambition fulfilled? He stared at her for a moment, taken aback. Touche. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like standing in front of her and he's thinking that he expected this like meek, submissive wife. And yet she will not look away from him like she she will not break eye contact. And so he starts getting really fucking pissed off. Yes. If she had been meek and submissive, he thinks he would have been nice to her. Yeah. But she's so nasty to him. He just can't help himself. Yeah, and he he has, it says, the desire to wipe that look from her eyes, mm. the desire to hurt her, to humiliate her. Oh, and he's he was kinky. too angry with himself, perhaps, to be appalled by his desire. I am also not appalled by your desire. I'm not in okay. the least bit appalled. <laughs> Maybe I should be. I'll just be appalled at myself as he is appalled at himself. Exactly. But do exactly. it, do it, do it. They do it. Oh, they do it. This was the this is oh. my favorite sex scene in a historical romance of all time. I think to date, yeah, yeah. I mean, because he is so mad, and she's pissed, and and oh. she's angry, and like, and instead of so, it's really it's a cool balance though, because he's like raising her nightgown, and she's like angrily unbuttoning his nightgown. And she's, he's got his back, or the, his hand on the back of her neck, and he's like pulling her toward him. And she's like hanging on to his shoulders, but like with her fingernails, even. Like it is. There's passion here. This is yeah. pure hate fucking. 
It's oh. people talk about it, but you almost never read it. You read yeah, it here. You do. And like, oh my God, one of my favorite moments is that so he finally penetrates her and it says he thrusts inside her and he whispers, almost my wife. The deed is almost done. And then she responds. Oh, can I read I it? it was can to I read hurt. it? Yes, 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 okay. yes. I thought it was to hurt, she said. I thought it was to be something earth shattering. So she's just mocking his manhood <laughs> while he's inside her. <laughs> that she has the wherewithal to be bitchy while he's just penetrated her for the first time in her entire life. Oh. God, I love this woman. I mean, this it teenager. Made me so happy. <laughs> this teenager is a goddess. She's amazing. <laughs> so, Do yeah. It, baby. Yes. So, yeah. So then. He's like, oh, she thinks it's supposed to be over in like a couple of minutes or like, you know. You know, when I was a kid, I thought the same thing, too. Up until about age 14, it goes in, boom, you're done. I did not understand thrusting until I was like 14 or 15 and saw it in a movie. It's like, ah. Mm -hmm. And and romance novels helped, too, at that point. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I get it. So she doesn't get that there's thrusting involved and and Uh that it's it's more than just penetration. So she learns very quickly. Well, and he's like, I am not. She's going to have to endure this for as long (laughs) as I can possibly make her endure it. I have a question for you, though, Tiffany. Yes. Does she come? I think she does. I think she does, too. Yes. Because it says that she shudders violently beneath him. Yes. But... Then, like, the next scene, we get her reflecting on the act, and she doesn't really mention, like, a brand new amazing sensation. She mostly just talks about how scary the whole thing was, but, like, scary in a good way. Yes. Uh, So I don't know. Maybe, and this, we have to also think about the time period. Would she have a word Mm. for it? Would she know that this was a thing that happened? Uh, That's true. You know, if you don't have the terminology for it, you can't really, you can't really separate it out as an experience. Um, I had a, uh, you know, if there's no word for it, she's never had it explained to it. She's been raised by a single father since she was five or six. So this is not something she'd even know was an experience. So maybe she just thought, you know, she had a panic attack because it can feel, you know, your heart's racing. And, and so yeah. she doesn't know if it's pleasure or panic or both. And But it does seem like she does have an orgasm, um, although she doesn't seem to understand what it is. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So then, so after it's all done, right, he's like laying on top of her for a while because he needs to gather himself. Because he kind of had an out-of-body experience. Yes. This is no fucking he has ever done before. This is not the normal him. Correct. And so then they have this this exchange where he's like, well, uh, happiest day of our lives is over. I'm going to leave you to dream of the triumph of your new status while I return to my own bed to dream of counting piles of gold. And then she does that half smile that he hates again. Oh, and she's laying on the bed. She refuses to cover herself. So she's just naked and there's blood in between her legs. And she is not. Look at what you have done, sir, is her attitude. Yeah. She's just like, (laughs) soak it in, asshole. And so then she looks up at him and smiles and she goes, good night. I doubt the night will be long enough to count every pile, my lord. My father is very, very wealthy. (laughs) It's so good. Yes. So even the great sex does not make them like each other. But it does Mm -hmm. make them very aware of each other that otherwise they would not have been. Uh, Mary Mm Belloc is is pretty notorious for her skill at writing 
awkward first time sex scenes. She doesn't go for the, uh, oh, suddenly we're total strangers and we're having sex. So it's going to be magical and perfect and, oh, and, and lovely. Um, she makes it weird sometimes and, and like embarrassing and, and strange and awkward. And she's really, really good at it. So oh. this was absolutely in her wheelhouse. I've read a lot of her since then. Um, but I think this one's still her best. That is really cool. Yeah. Okay, so then, then Tiffany, you then, can take it yes. over from here. Yes. Then, so <laughs> next day, she has the fun. She has the fun task of going back to her former home to stay with her father until he dies, uh, yeah. which she does, and it takes about two days. And this is yeah. this is the moment where there is a hint that there might be hope for this couple because uh, she is pleased to find out that the Earl comes and checks three or four times a day. Uh, he calls at the yeah. house to see if there's any news or anything. He doesn't just dump her there and forget about it. Right. Well, and going along with that, he is also really sort of surprised and pleased that she refuses to leave her father's side. Yes. So there is there is a crack in this, this wall of ice between them, a little tiny crack. Yeah. So it begins. And there are two important conversations that the dad has. One is with him where... I think he asks, oh, he gives him a, a Christmas present for her and says, there's no way I'm making it to Christmas. Please don't give it to her beforehand, but give it to her on the holiday. And then for with her in a private conversation, he asks her to stop mourning, like stop formally mourning before Christmas and to have a happy, joyful Christmas for him. Yes. And she promises that. Yes. This is the Christmas promise of the title. That's right. Yes. That is the one. <laughs> So then when she comes down after he dies, it's it's so sad and wonderful because she really wants him to comfort her, but she will not ask for it. And he sort of wonders if he should and wants to give her a hug when she comes down. But he also doesn't think she's going to react well to that so he doesn't it's heartbreaking it, it just is. i could cry talking about it so i won't talk yeah. about it very much just how desperately she wants comfort and can't do it yeah absolutely and it also i think really highlights that universal truth that like there's as a person who's watching someone else mourn you feel like there's nothing you can do yes the helplessness and of it yeah yeah and as a person who's mourning you know you can see all the gestures in the world but it's true. Nothing can really help. <laughs> like and I, a hug I, would I, certainly. I do sympathize with him. I've been. I know. I know people who, when they are upset, want comfort, and I know people who do not want to be touched because mm -hmm. they know they will fall apart and not be able to put themselves back together for hours. So yeah, and you never know. <laughs> you know what situation yeah. is this, and people are too upset to think rationally, so you can't ask them. Uh, so there's this is a completely understandable misunderstanding between them completely yeah so he sends her home and he really steps up to the plate and he handles all the funeral logistics all the the papers and the documents and the washing of the body and all that stuff he sees to that so that she doesn't have to yes he's 10 years we should say he's 10 years older 10 or 11 years older than she yes. is uh so uh he would have been 28, 29, very much a grown man, mature, mm -hmm. and he certainly would have gone through this with relatives uh, of his own having to step up. So he is he is the more mature one in reality and in the story. So when the right, he's the one who who uh, shortly after this uh, calls for a truce with Ellie 
and says we need to start being civil to each other. Even if we don't yeah. like each other, we have to at least pretend to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she she immediately agrees to that, which is also really nice. Like, I think that there there is a novel in which she fights that. And I'm really glad that she didn't. Yes, yes. And I think part of it would just be simple exhaustion. It's to stay mad mm. and actively cruel to someone or nasty is very tiring. So, you know, just to fall into fake that's why we have etiquette. That's why we have politeness when we have these rules it's of society. Is so Everybody knows. Everybody knows the rules of the road and put on your turn signal and whatnot. We don't have to think about it. We've all agreed to it. Uh, so she agrees to basic civility and politeness, and then they can get on with things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that right in that scene, he's also like thinking over his wedding night with her and being like it's not the way i usually do it not the way i That's usually not like it how did this happen yeah i don't super understand it and then he <laughs> he gets really upset with himself because just thinking of his wedding night had aroused him <laughs> so good okay so then they spend like the next few weeks not in London, boning, very yeah. quiet, avoiding yeah. each other mostly. And uh, he puts an end to his, this is important, he puts an end to his relationship with his mistress. And this mm -hmm. was controversial. I got it, like I said earlier, that I will fight for this book. Um, one of the people I recommended to stop mm -hmm. reading when they found out he kept his mistress even after he was married. Man, and yeah. and I said, well, number one, it's completely believable that he would. And completely realistic. Completely realistic. He's he's he has been held hostage, uh, yeah. <laughs> debtor's prison, which is horrific, or right. marry this beautiful young girl. And he almost chose debtor's prison. Yeah. So <laughs> so he's been held hostage. And let's have a little respect for these women who were mistresses. They were yes. basically girlfriends. Agreed. He was forced. To dump his girlfriend. Uh-huh. And, you know, this is a woman with feelings. I mean, she is a mistress, but she's still a human being. She's still yeah. doing the role. The, obviously, he couldn't marry her, so she wasn't a fiancé. But, you know, she was his girlfriend. They went out together. They spent time together. And so for him to just coldly dump her and never see her, never see her again after he's forced into this marriage he doesn't want, that he's held hostage to, would Completely. make him... A less good person, in my opinion. And not, I agree. Yes. Yeah, so I like that because I don't like the whole lady mistress dichotomy, the whole, you know, virgin whore thing. Um, uh -huh. You know, I think the mistress deserves as much respect as the wife does. And he treats her with respect. He doesn't dump yeah. her coldly. He gives her a goodbye gift. He just can't go on with it anymore. So I actually like that. So I will defend him uh, right here on record. Same. And I especially like it because he outlines his his complicated feelings about it on the page. He's like, I don't really understand why I feel guilt ridden about continuing this relationship with a woman I enjoy that predates my marriage that I don't want. And yet I do feel really guilty about it. So I'm going to end it with as much dignity and like you said, respect as possible. It's really nice. I thought. Yes, yes. I was very I thought happy it said to a lot see of that. really good things about his yes, character. Yes. Um, and, you know, at this point, Ellie does not know about this, but he doesn't know about her, her lingering feelings for Wilfred. Oh, Correct. Wilfred. I'm oh, shaking Wilfred. my fist at his very name. <laughs> Wilfred. <sighs> so, <Look at> him. <laughs> so yeah, they spend a couple of weeks and then she gets a caller. 
And he's been, oh, oh, also he, she sort of has created this little sanctuary in her sitting room. And then he is like, well, why don't we try to spend some evenings together? Yeah, she's been spending the evenings sewing and reading in her room. And he's been spending evenings in the library. And he asks her, let's at least pretend to be together, <laughs> at least right. pretend to be in a real marriage. So bring your knitting or your, uh, your book down and sit in the library with me. And they have very forced, polite conversations and a lot of silences. Um, yeah. And I love, I love that it makes her feel more lonely. Yes. I love that 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 little tidbit was added because it's so accurate and and just so I don't know it adds another layer to this relationship. It's incredibly true to life. I remember being at a dinner with a boyfriend who was an on and off again boyfriend mm. and feeling horrible sitting next to him cuz I didn't know what was going on with us. Yeah. And this is I was probably 19 or 20 at the time and it was a church dinner. And one of the older ladies asked a very normal question. She Aww. said, are you all a couple? Because we, she would see us together Oof. at church and we were very on again, off again. And I said yeah. no at the same time he said yes. And then Oof. he looked at me and said no. And I oh. said, I don't know. Oh. And I burst into tears and ran out of the, the restaurant oh. dining room. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it awful? <laughs> So this book, oh. this book took me to a lot of dark 19 and 20 year old places. Yes, that's so true. Yes, oh. that incredible loneliness you feel sitting next to someone who, does you know, doesn't care about you the way you care about them. Or at least yeah. you don't think they don't think they do. Yeah. Yeah. And just that awful uncertainty and not feeling empowered enough. Or, or being too scared of the answer to ask. Yes. Oh, and again, 19. God bless yeah. her. <laughs> She's doing the best she can. She really is. So, okay. So then... This is when the ex-girlfriend... This, yes. Not the mistress, but the, the lady that he was thinking of marrying, if he could have married her, and her mother come to pay their, their respects, their hellos. Uh, Lady yeah. Dorothea Lovelace and her mother. That doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this mother is a horrible person. Quite a harridan. And I am not into her. No, no. <laughs> she is like, hey, so just FYI, you know, can I'm so glad that you don't mind him having this mistress that he has. Very mature of you to not yes. mind at all. Yes. It must be because of your lowly upbringing that you don't mind this happening. Oh, yes. I'm not a lady, so I have no emotions. Oh, yeah, she's she gives as good as she gets. Again, she does. And so she gives it back to her. And the lady's like, the lady's like, I'm sorry, you really need to be careful of what you say. You are around my very gently bred daughter. And Ellie looks right at her and she goes, well, since you're the one who brought it up, you I brought it up. It bitch. was a perfectly yeah. OK thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. So then she's like, oh, because he tells her that before they got married, he planned to have like four friends out to his country house for Christmas. And he told her to have like get a couple of people that she wants to bring up. And so she's been racking her brain trying to figure out the correct relation to bring that's not going to be too offensive to his him and his friends and like sedate enough to like sort of hang. Yes. She doesn't want him making fun of her relatives. So she's trying to pick the, the most genteel ones so they don't 
they don't get humiliated because it could that yeah. scene could be read as her you know being ashamed of her family when I think she's just trying to be it's protective not. of them yes correct so she yeah. she's like oh this aunt and uncle they're pretty quiet and polite they'll do and this cousin and that's fine but and then after this exchange <laughs> she's like oh I'm sorry this motherfucker has a mistress he can deal with my whole, whole family, family. <laughs> All 20 of them. <laughs> so he's invited four single men to mm-hmm. his uh, his country estate. And she invites 20 relatives, uncles, aunts, uh, you cousins, know, cousins everybody, everybody, the whole nine yards. God bless her. Children, uh, elderly people. Yes. Like, it runs the gamut. So they have this. They're sitting in the, the library trying to have a very quiet night together. And he asks... Oh, who do who are you bringing? And she tells him very defiantly, chin all the way up in the clouds. She's basically looking at the ceiling at this point. Her yeah. chin's up so high. <laughs> <laughs> Stare yeah. directly into the hollow of my throat as I disdain <laughs> you. I know you have a mistress, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's so true. So he's like, oh, okay. Oops. G- great. Sounds good. And then she's like, well, you can deal with it because you have a mistress. And he's like, well, I have a mistress because you're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then she he ends up leaving in a huff and she ends up throwing her favorite figurine and breaking it it on the wall. Come on, lady. Oh, 19. Am I right? It's tough. (laughs) It's a miracle. I didn't purposely drive cars into buildings when I was 19. So. I know. One time I did um, a ha- a headstand like a, or a handstand against a wall because I had so much pent up angry emotion that I just had to I had to put it somewhere. <laughs> and so I like in front of an entire group of people, I'm like ranting and raving and crying. And then I just did a spontaneous wall stand. Yes. So like makes perfect sense you know. at 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have this adult body and all these adult hormones and this mm-hmm. teenage brain, and you're still, you know, <sighs> basically a sociopath because the it's brain true. shuts the brain shuts down, the empathy <laughs> portions of the brain shut down during puberty to <sighs> create to themselves. And so, so true. Oh God. That we all survived being 19 is a miracle. Anywho. It really is. Yes. So she <laughs> she tells herself this lie that she's glad he had a mistress because then she didn't have to put up with what she put up with on her wedding night. But obviously, she is yeah. lying to herself and deeply, deeply hurt. Um, and her vagina is very angry with her that her brain yes. has come up with this lie. <laughs> very mad. <laughs> oh, poor baby. Hey, you. Yes, you. Have you bought Melanie Edwards' debut novel, Rocking Her Boat, yet? You guys, lady scientist, bad boy rock star, second chance romance. It's so catnip. Okay, here's the description. Lifelong passion and perseverance have finally given Nina the one thing she ever wanted, her own environmental nonprofit. And yet, it's when she should be on top of the world that she feels the empty results of her neglected personal life. Maybe now's the time for this focused marine biologist to see what really happens when she adds some fun to all of her hard work. Chelsea's passion is music, still the rebellious stoner he was in high school. Growing up has forged his powerful, unique voice. Nina gets to see his raw talent and uninhibited charisma when his band is scheduled to play at a fundraiser for her organization. This chance reconnection with Nina proves his teenage infatuation hasn't gone away. 
but it's tough for Nina to see him as anything more than heartbreak waiting to happen. As Nina spends more time with Chelsea, the sparks fly, and she finds a shared determination and ambition which is dead sexy. Between their very different, busy lives, the marine biologist and rising rock star try to make their delicate new relationship work. But when the glow of infatuation fades, will the reality of supporting each other's different dreams be too big an obstacle? Here's just a few snippets of reviews this book has gotten. This heroine is one of us. This is the kind of book I wish went on and on, as I never tire of their banter. And this novel doesn't skimp on the super hot sex scenes. Hurry and support this debut self-published HB. I'll put buy links in the show notes. Yeah, so they end up going out to the country. And oh, meanwhile, he's also really confused because first she's the marble lady. Then she's this super passionate sex fixin'. And then she's like angry about a mistress. And then she's angry about being his wife. And then she like sits by her dad for three days while he dies. And then she's giving up mourning after like less than a less than two very confused. He's getting a lot of mixed messages. Yeah, he has no idea what direction up is in. So on their carriage ride out to the country house, he once again offers an olive branch. And he's like, listen, I want to have a good holiday. I don't want to have these biting, sarcastic exchanges with you anymore. Let's just be civil. And she immediately agrees. Is that when he tells her that he gave up his mistress very quickly, even before? Yeah, he says that two days before she took his head off, he gave up his mistress. And then she feels real silly. Yes, yes. (laughs) We've all been there, too. Oh, goodness gracious. But then then we have another wonderful moment, one of my favorite scenes in the book, where they they come Mm. into the village. And she's seen a horse and a guy riding a horse. And he spots the carriage and runs off. And she at first thinks he's a highwayman. uh, But it turns out he's just the scout. And Uh they are about to get a country welcome, the Earl and his new bride. So when they reach the village, everyone is there to greet them. And suddenly, this lovely moment where she is back among her people, I'm putting her in quotes, her Mm -hmm. people, uh, commoners, um, just normal tradespeople, and she meets them all and is, is finally gets to relax and probably take her first deep breath since getting married. Oh, this is my job now. And he's seeing her smile for the first time. Yes, for the first time. He smiles and laughs and looks like a human, a human being and not the marble lady. Yeah. It's lovely. It's lovely. And oh, I like that so she, nice. she realizes, oh, you know, I can do this. I, I might not enjoy being his wife, but I will enjoy being a countess in that I will get to take care of these tenants. I will yes. visit the sick. I will make sure that they have plenty of food. You know, the, so she has these nice, lovely thoughts. You know, she wants to do a good job as a countess, even if she doesn't enjoy being a wife. Yeah, she feels a a deep responsibility to these people, but not as an obligation, as an opportunity. Yes, which is really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then they leave there. And as they're going up to the house, she can tell that he's like very, very excited to see his childhood home. And there's a moment where she says she thinks to herself for one moment, she felt a deep regret that theirs was not a normal marriage, that he could not share his excitement with her at seeing his home again. That she could not share with him her excitement at discovering that this new home of hers felt like home even before she had seen it. It would have been lovely to have been able to hold hands and smile at each other. And she's like, but it's okay because this is going to, it's still going to be good. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not fine, but I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, and he gave up his mistress and he said he was sorry for having one in the first place. So like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Everything's okay. Oh, this girl. Um, this poor girl. <laughs> this poor She wants girl. so little. And I have been there. Like, give me a breadcrumb of affection yeah. and respect something. And the sad thing is he wants to, but he can't he either. Oh, oh. Neither of them will give each other the go signal. Ugh. Yes. So then they invite or they welcome they meet the all his guests yes. and they meet the servants. Yeah. Um, and then her family and his guests start sort of alternately arriving at the house. And it's really fun because she sort of doesn't know what to do with Bertie around because once again, he was a jerk to her. He was a jerk to her, but neither of them are talking about it. Oh, and Albert, Bertie specifically tells the Earl of Faladin that no, it was not the same girl. So he lies to his friend being like, nope, not the same girl. Yeah. So then they they arrive and the uncles are speaking in this booming voice and they're asking about decorations and money and all the vulgar they're things. They're just taking that- over the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. call poor Randolph the Earl of Faladin Randy. <laughs> oh, I love oh. it. And it's he like cute. he actually doesn't really mind. He's he's more he's confused. Amused. Confused and yeah. bemused. The combination yeah, of confused and amused. He's bemused, but not yeah, angry. Yeah, yeah. Not at all angry. No, and and she always has her hackles up. Yes. So like he he says like something very offhand, like about, oh, I think your family's all here or something like that. And she's like, I'm not gonna apologize for them. So <laughs> like they're great. <laughs> Oh, again. And is this when he first calls her a hedgehog? Because I thought (laughs) that was adorable. Yes. Oh, you hedgehog. Put your put your hackles down. Put the prickles Uh away. I'm not mad. Yeah. Oh, it was playful when he finally gets a little playful with her. Some Mm -hmm. people just need to be teased out of ill humor. It's true. Yes. Yeah. So the Christmas Christmas begins in earnest uh, when the guests arrive. Yeah. And he thinks he thinks about like going to her bedroom at night Mm. but because he has not been they have not had another night together since the first time and then as he's like he has his hand on the door and he's about to open it but then he hears her with her maid servant and she's like giggling with her and he's like oh she sounds so happy i don't doesn't want to ruin it yeah heartbreaking oh he just wants to be with his wife he does. It says like he desires her. Like he didn't just desire the the act or the release. He like want he's starting to want her and yet he doesn't want to ruin her whole day. So, oh, it's really nice. Actually, <laughs> it's really it's really funny because I love the phrasing in this novel because one of the lines I just saw was his marriage was not quite the nightmare it had started out to be. <laughs> Talk about damning with faint praise. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's gonna snow everybody's super stoked about it they're like we gotta get decorations for the house so they all go out right this is when they go out yes they go out and and the earl's worried that his his male 
single male guests were there to do mm. some shooting and now they have been wrangled into getting Christmas <laughs> decorations. Yeah. But most of them are all on board. Yeah, this sounds fun. One's one heartbreakingly lost his wife and child uh, in childbirth. And so he's a widower. Yeah. And so he's enjoying a happy Christmas for the first time ever. And another one's estranged from his family. And so he likes mm. being around the family. So all these titled gentlemen are having the time of their lives with these lower class relatives of hers um, yeah. having fun and and the earl is again bemused by this and decides to go along with it i'll just yeah, go along he for quite the ride likes yeah. it too yes he's like i've never heard so much laughter in this house and i have really good memories of this house who knew and this yet, was a thing yeah. but it's a thing let's do it <gasps> oh my gosh tiffany yes. we are terrible we forgot the most important thing about the guests that arrived <laughs> oh yes oh mother <laughs> effing wilfred <laughs> <laughs> son of a biscuit he shows up this uninvited yes uninvited you guys after we need to reflect here that after she marries the earl he sends ellie a love letter he sent her a love letter you guys messing with her head gaslighting her being a proper dick completely <laughs> And so he shows up uninvited. She's shocked. She just he just says, "Well, I assume the invitation included me. If you invited my parents, How she's dare like, you? not really, Dicko. But there he is. <laughs> what are you going to do? She doesn't yes. call him Dicko, but she should have. She should. She still has. She should have. He. She still has feelings for him. Of course, tender feelings. But she's also very angry and feeling awkward and really really wishes he had not come so she sincerely wishes he hadn't come she's not planning anything no and the one thing that i i love about her is that she might be a 19 year old mess but she is not a hypocrite she is not she's no. like i married this person that's it like i a i don't want him to know because i don't want him him to be jealous of like nothing i'm never gonna do anything with wilfred but also like don't send me love letters you asshole you had the opportunity you and had now here we are yes back off yeah but he backs on oh he backs so hard on he's doing that creepy guy thing where like she'll just be standing at the piano and he'll materialize next to her oh yes yes or he's always in her group when they're like going to cut pine boughs or whatever he's always there the same guy where i had the breakdown at the dinner party the are you all a couple the yes no i don't know that same guy <laughs> did the same thing to me he we were oh. on and off and then he finally dumped me right before christmas so i had the worst christmas broken heart crying all the time oh. and my mother said i this is my this is when i finally there's a point in your youth when you're young, mm -hmm. you think your parents know everything until you're about eight or nine years old, you ask them everything. And then as you start to be yes. a tween, you realize they know nothing. And as teenagers, right. they're idiots. They might as well be comas. They know less than nothing and they're useless too. <laughs> but right. then at, in your late teens or early 20s, you start to figure out that they know something. And so mm -hmm. my mother said, because I was having this miserable Christmas, she's like, I know guys like this. As soon as you get back to school, start hanging around with another guy. He will turn around in a second. And Ugh. I, it happened happened and he did oh just like that just like that no. so i know these i know these dickos like wilfred <laughs> yeah it's horrible yes. so then but fun too it's so juicy oh it so is so juicy juicy, juicy. oh also Sorry. these transoms these lowly relations are all about the mistletoe too. oh yes yes they're they're all about they the have jolly singing and dancing and mistletoeing. And kissing strangers and, then, yeah. and cousins. I That's love it. Right. <laughs> kissing those cousins, you guys. Yeehaw! 
<laughs> I'm from Kentucky. I can't say yeah. a word about it. <laughs> so then at some point, I think she's like, I need to talk to Wilfred, basically, right? Isn't that yes. why she goes down to the library? Yes. Uh, Wilfred is her? Wilfred is creeping on her all the time. And yeah. he, he wants to be alone with her. And she goes to be alone with him to help him pick out a book in the library so she can talk to him, uh, have a tete-a-tete. Yeah. And they do. And she chews him out. Yes, she does. And it is beautiful. She's like, you had your chance. I am married now. I take the marriage vow as a sacred thing. And you need to get off yourself. Oh, because he's also a partner at his law firm now. Yes, all of he a got sudden. his promotion. Yeah. And if they just waited, he would have gotten his promotion and then he would have had a position and could marry her. But now she's married to someone else. Too late. You snooze, you lose. You do. Yeah. So she's like, also stop appearing at my side. Stop. He's like trying to snuggle up against her and like steal a kiss or whatever. And she's like, absolutely not. Creep. Stay away from me for the rest of this visit. You shouldn't be here in the first place. I did not invite you here. And then she like basically tosses a book at his chest and makes him leave. Well, what she says that's very important was, I would have married you for no money. I yes. don't care about your position. I don't care about money. I just cared about affection. That's all I wanted. And of course, this is one of those classic romance moments in a novel Yee! where the Earl hears you guys everything. <laughs> everything. Especially the part of, I don't care about money and I don't care about position. I don't care about titles. I only married this man because my father was dying. I love him with all my heart and I would do anything he told me to. Yes. So that little misunderstanding is finally resolved with, with happy consequences. Yeah. So he walks into the library after having just like brushed shoulders with asshole Wilfred. And she's like, oh, well, so you heard all that, huh? Great. Now you know. Novels. <laughs> um, and she actually like goes through a mental catalog and she's like, okay, well, he can't be mad at me about anything because I was very clearly, yes. you know, pro my marriage and anti this nonsense. And he feels the same way. He's just, he's like, I thought that you wanted to be a countess. And she's like, no, I hate nothing more than the aristocracy. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I love it. He has a moment of deep chagrin, mm -hmm. which and soul searching. I love it when a hero has to do some soul searching. Oh, me too. But they're still they're still playing at being mad at each other. And it, I believe this is when they decide to restart marital relations. <gasps> yeah. And he is aggressive about it. He's like, well, you are my wife. And so since you are my wife, then we're definitely going to be doing it all the time. And she's like, well, I want a baby because I need somebody to love. So yeah, yeah, we are. You better get started, buddy. That's right. Ah, <laughs> oh, it is so good. Is this where he's like, we'll be doing it every night. And then once the guests are gone, maybe all the time during the day. Too? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Okay, so then he goes to her at night. And this is where I get pretty sad, sad town, Aww. because it's it's no longer like passionate and it's not. He just does the very English thing of like spread your legs and think yes. of England sort of situation. Yes. And she also doesn't mind it. She thinks to herself all the time that like, yeah, it's it's sort of better than the first time because that was really scary. And it feels kind of good, 
but he's definitely not getting her there at all. Right. Like he starts when she's dry and he ends when he's done. Yes. And that's it. But the very first night, I think he wakes her up like three times. And so they, they end up having sex like he four times. He keeps going back for more. Yeah. Four day. times. Yeah. Classic, classic honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, she's going to get a UTI. She is. <sighs> she's not peeing. Come on. <laughs> Oh, 19. Oh, Ellie, please pee after every time, please. <laughs> Been yeah. there, honey. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, things restart and it's cold at first, but it starts to warm. She's she the next day she's very sleepy and she's getting teased over being sleepy because everybody yeah. knows why, which is pretty cute. It is really cute. Yeah, these just like her dad is like, you better do good by my daughter in her vaginal canal. <laughs> All the rest of the family is like, so uh, 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 you're they are having intercourse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's also like a snowball fight at some point. Like it's it, there are Christmas hijinks. All yes, over the place. and they help. And it's they help wonderful. enormously because they both get caught up in it, and she uh, lobs a snowball and hits him right in the face. And he mm-hmm. picks her up and throws her in a snow mound. So just a lot of nonsense. And, and they it's discover so that nice. they can be playful with each other. And that helps. Yeah. That helps enormously. It really does. Couple, I don't believe couples in romance novels that are serious with each other all the time. No, it's exhausting. I don't know, know anybody who's like that at all. <laughs> at some point, especially with your spouse, especially with someone you've been having sex with. And you're going to have silly moments together. Most definitely. Yeah, it's going to happen whether you want them to or not. So it's nice to see them thawing out in the snow. Mm-hmm. Symbolism. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we? Are we? Oh, well, during their when they restart sexual relations, he tries to tell her, "Look, I completely misunderstood you. You've misunderstood me too. I am not a gambler. The debts were not mine. Yes. I, I I understand that you think that, and I can't stand you thinking so little of me anymore." So he tries right. to tell her, and she's like, "Forget it. Just get in bed. Just just do it. I want to have a baby. Just do it." Yeah, she keeps on trying to like kiss him and rub up on him and she's taking off his clothes and she's like so do you want me on the bed and he's like ellie i really want to talk to you about something and she's like so on the bed or like where yes on the bed though should i go there now one track mind she she, yeah she can't at this point really trust him yet so uh you know she doesn't really want to listen to him all she wants is the sex she trusts the sex she knows that's going to be okay but she can't trust yeah. him yet. So she doesn't really listen or believe and she she won't let him talk. And so that's why uh-huh. they have kind of cold sex. You know, if she won't take what he's trying to give her emotionally, she'll only take it physically. Yeah. So we have a little more work to do with this couple. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, because the transoms want to go sledding. Yes. <laughs> So they all after dinner one night, like all the all the gentlemen sitting there are like, so we could smoke cigars and drink some port or some brandy. And they're like sledding. (laughs) And so they all decide to go out. And it's really cute because all the gentlemen are like having an extra good time. Albert is going after one of the one, one of, of the Ellie's cousins, there. Ellie's favorite cousin. So her old nemesis, not Wilfred, but her husband's yeah. best friend who was rude to her when she was 17 is now enamored of her cousin, who is also uh-huh. a commoner. Uh, and he was so rude to commoners before she's warning her cousin off. Don't go near mm-hmm. this guy. He's a rake. He's a jerk. Um, but her cousin can't help herself because, you know, two years have passed. He's grown up a little. He's learned yeah, some it's lessons. Tough. 
Yes. And then there's another there's another guy who's like chatting with another girl. And then two of the commoner cousins are also canoodling. So there's like a lot of there's a romance all over the place. And they're all going sledding and it's super fun. And like the elderly uncles are like, how much how many how many pounds can this thing take? Like, because I'm going too. And it's really <laughs> cute. So then Wilfred grabs her and he wants to go sledding with her and he tries to make it into a thing and he says like I wish that we could sled down the other side of the hill and run away together and never return and she's like Wilfred get off my dick man <laughs> we're not doing this push the sled or go home yeah like we, ah, I don't know how many times I have to tell you so then they slide down he's like trying to he's like trying to rub up on her on the sled and she's like elbowing him and stuff that's my fanfic that doesn't really happen we're going to pretend it does. Yes. It will. Yeah. And then at the bottom of the hill, she has this argument with him where she's like, you have to absolutely stop this. I'm. This is the last time I'm going to tell you. And she's like, I really hope that my husband didn't see this happen because it, it's not me. You know, like I am not the one trying to do this. Of course, he does see it and he's very pleased. He has the opposite reaction that she thinks he's going to have. And he's like, mm, mm, mm. she Look likes me. She likes yeah. me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then by the end, he's like, hey, wife, do you you've been on the sled with everybody else? Do you want to come with me, too? And she's like, "Ooh, this is so exciting. So they go up to the top of the hill. The scariest hill. It is a very scary hill. And it's extra scary because it's been sledded on so many times that it's like really precarious and slippery. So, of course, they get off to a, a rocky fishtailed start. He tries to fix it. He overcorrects. He turns the sled over into this big embankment. And guys... Where do you think she lands? On she lands top. on top of him. So hot. <gasps> and then she's like, you're a terrible driver. And he's like, am I? Seems like I got you just where I want you. <laughs> I steered you to crotch town, baby. That's right. <laughs> and then they kiss and she's into it and they're kissing and a kissing. And then she starts thinking because she's dumb. Um, oh, 19. Oh, it's a rough year. Yeah, so she pulls back and she's like, oh, I don't even know what's going on. And I, I can't believe that you would do that. And I, it's probably because I'm such a lowly commoner and you would never do this with a lady. And he's like, oh, chill out, hedgehog. hedgehog. Yes. <laughs> You're so cute. And she's like trying really hard to stay angry. And he's grabbing her by the hand and leading her down back to the fire. Oh, it's yes, delicious. It is. And then we have Christmas magic at the fire. Oh, Do you want to talk about the Christmas I magic? Will. Yes, this is this is my area because it's yes. a, it's a it's this a sudden religious moment. It is, and it's gorgeous. Oh, I started crying. It is. So they're outside. They build a bonfire. Everybody's warming themselves around the bonfire, and they start talking about the Christmas story. Uh, Bethlehem, the Christmas star. And people start picking out stars in the sky. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Go ahead. It is important to note that he has grabbed her and pulled her against him. Yes, yes. Like in front of him. And they're snuggling. Yes. Like all the other couples. 
So sorry. They're, Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so they're having a moment of canoodling and she's melting against him. And ah. the other couples that are established and normal couples, not forced into marriage mm-hmm. with each other, are, are being saying romantic things to each other about the stars and ah. the Christmas star. And they're picking out their own. Is that one ours? And the Earl sort of leans down and, and says, is that ours? And so they pick out a star together. And it's just this oh. very tender, beautiful moment. A little Christmas miracle. Ah. Yeah, the uncle says that he thinks that the Bethlehem star isn't about it being a particular star. It's whatever star leads you to hope and happiness. Yes. And so they pick out this star together and he's feeling so gushy towards her. And he's like, she, her head is on my shoulder and we've picked out this star that could lead us both home to each other. Then he starts thinking because he doesn't know if she's standing against him in the moment or as the marble lady. And so he starts thinking, what if I'm having this moment and she's actually incredibly uncomfortable? What am I going to do? And so then he says something like, wow, that's a beautiful little fantasy. And then pulls himself away to go gather more firewood or something. And she's like, so then we switch to her head and she's like, oh my gosh, I was having this beautiful, lovely moment and I think I was alone in it. He just said it was a fantasy. kids, kids. Oh, you guys. (laughs) If I could make a Craigslist missed connection post for these two. Oh, if only they, Craigslist existed back then. <laughs> they have so much. They they're coming. They're not even coming from zero. They're working no. their way up from negative territory. Yeah, they weren't even indifferent to each other as strangers. They literally oh. loathed each other. Think about someone you loathe right yeah. now, and then imagine you're who, forced. Who's also to, super sexy? Yes, Sorry. you loathe, but they're sexy, <laughs> and now you have to marry them. Someone Oof. you genuinely dislike. That, oh my God, the amount of emotional work you would have to do to get over that. Because when I dislike somebody, I pretty much dislike them forever. And I dislike them for good reason. Uh, so Absolutely. Yes. But then for me, it also turns into like, I don't care what you're doing. Like, have you seen that bitch eating crackers meme? Yes. The whole idea that if there's somebody out there you don't like, it doesn't matter what they do. They can just be eating crackers. And you're like, look at that bitch, bitch eating those crackers. crackers. Oh. How dare she you know what she eats crackers <laughs> like a bitch would uh. <laughs> yeah, yes so like that they have a lot of work to do oh so then they go back to the house and this is actually where he tries to tell her that he did not gamble and she's like i just want to get back to that moment that we had i think the only way we can do it is physical so this is where she's like, should we go on the bed? Because that's where we usually do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it's the encounter starts like that. And I think that night, that's when she wakes up and or she doesn't wake up. She's kind of half awake, half asleep and yet yeah. is grinding on him. She wants his body so badly. And so they start actually kissing, which they haven't really done before. He allows himself to start kissing her because she's the one initiating it. And then he pulls her on top of him and they have sex with her on top. She does come this time. We know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. She definitely has an orgasm this time. Oh, yeah. And then she immediately just like falls asleep on his chest with him still inside her, just knocks out. (laughs) (laughs) I've also been there. Uh (laughs) Also been there. Yep. 
It's exhausting, okay? It, it's a lot it of work. Especially, <laughs> especially with the emotional labor added in yes. and the confusion. Good God. So then she wakes up and he's gone in the morning, right? And she's like really worried about it. I can't remember if she is. She wakes up. She's kind of, I think she's kind of sleepy and happily and rumpled. Yeah. And she's like, I think I might have come on to him last night. Yes. Huh. What have I done? That's neat. <laughs> she's like, well, that feels kind of powerful and nice. And then they have to go visit the town. Oh, yes, the school. Yeah. They go into town. So Ellie, Ellie's uh, there to hear the children. She's the new countess. Um, and she's basically, if it's this was something that always sort of surprised me, but I thought was a little endearing and why we romanticize this time period. Mm. The aristocracy that owned all of this land is basically the mayor in a way. And, you know, she yeah. has the role of basically a mayor's wife. So she has to do mm -hmm. all of this politician's wife stuff. And one of that, one of those jobs is visiting the school. It's the last day before Christmas holidays, and she's going to hear them read. She's also supposed to go alone. But then everybody wants to go, including her husband. And so she's like, oh, God, I wasn't expecting him to come with but me. Kind but kind of a okay. nice surprise. Okay. Yeah. He's showing an interest. Yeah. So it's from his perspective. And all other countesses up until that point have no known that they're supposed to put this barrier in between them and the chattel basically yes. <laughs> like it's very us and them yes yeah everyone is expecting her to like enter the room silently and go sit in her designated seat and allow them to read to her and say well done children and then leave yeah but instead she walks in and she's like chatting with them beforehand and the teacher has no idea what to do with herself she's having a heart attack yeah because she thinks that they're like interviewing the children to see how well they're learning and stuff so then he breaks character and he comforts the teacher and is like she's just chatting with them it's totally fine and during this, they find out that you guys, they have nowhere to put on their Christmas play. The church is I know full it's of a shock bats or birds or something like that. There's a hole in the roof yeah. and, and creatures have moved in. So they can't have it at the church. Where are they going to have it? They'll have it in the school. Well, that's not very good because it's a tiny schoolroom and everybody it's wants to tiny. show. So what shall we do? Christmas miracle. We're going to the Earl's house. <laughs> the kids it's are really putting nice. on a Christmas pageant at the Earl's house. Never been done before. Yeah. This is all new. So then she's like, yeah, we'll, and, and this is the first time that they sort of silently communicate as husband and wife, as a team, as a partnership. Eye contact. Should we do this? Yeah, we yeah. should do this. Let's Ooh. do this. Oh, oh, it's so delicious. It's so cute. So he's like, we're going to do the Christmas uh, thing there. And she's like, yeah. And afterwards, please tell the parents that there will be a party for them. And it's really cool. So then then they have the added benefit of the kids like being comfortable around her. And so like really opening up and thriving while they're reading. Oh, it's so it's just a, a goddamn Christmas miracle. All it the way is. Around. And he's loving it. He, he, he doesn't expect it. this at all. But he's delighted. His, his wife yes. is showing... Uh, who she really is, that she is this lovely, warm woman who has so much love mm. to give. If only she had an outlet for it. If only he oh. opened his heart and arms to her. Truly. Yes. Oh, <gasps> lovely, lovely. And then, of course, they get back to the house and he makes a sort of sly comment about the way that countesses usually act. And she's like, 
well, I am not a normal countess and you know it because you married me for my father's money. So he's just, like, oh. you have to take it. And he's like, I was trying to give you a compliment, woman. You're doing a very good job. I love that he's like complimenting her angrily. I was trying yeah. to tell you that you're doing a very good job. That's right. And she's like, yes. God, well, God damn it, now I'm embarrassed again. Yes. So, <laughs> they're really cute. <laughs> and so then they're like all getting ready for the party. And, oh my God, it's so cute. So they're decorating for this party. And the Earl all of a sudden is like, well, I need to dance with my new wife. And they're like, they're like having this mock ball situation. And so he calls over to his friend and he's like, Charles, we need a waltz or whatever. And so they play act this whole ballroom scene. And then all of the other couples start dancing with them. And it's so cute. And then... Birdie pulls her to the side, right? Yes, yes. He's like, I need to talk to you. So she takes him to the conservatory. She has no idea what's going on, but she doesn't like it either way. We did miss the point. We missed the part where the Earl talks to his friend Birdie. What has happened is that Birdie has been flirting with Rachel, Ellie's cousin, so much that Ellie has finally confessed to the Earl, hey, look, uh, Birdie's a jerk and I know it. And he said, well, he he can be a jerk sometimes, but he's not a bad guy. She's like, I know from personal experience. He took liberties with me. He tried to grab me. He tried to grope me. He tried to kiss me. This was two years ago at the party. Mm. And he was like, oh, it was you. You were the girl. Uh, And so he confronts Birdie. And Birdie apologizes and says, I was wrong. I was an asshole. I am sorry. I actually care about this girl, Rachel. I do want to marry her. My intentions are honorable. Very, very Mm -hmm. sorry. So they have this lovely man-to-man talk alone. It's really cute. And and I've, you know, Birdie's like, I've grown up. I'm sorry. I was a dick. I was total dick. And, you know, the Earl accepts his apology and then says, I'm sorry. (laughs) I have to do this. And then he punches (laughs) his best friend in the face. And says, you know, that was for my wife. Punches him real good. Really yeah. good. And like, not, it's not a little slap with a glove. Uh uh-uh. uh. And that's when Birdie goes, You love this girl. Not like her. You love uh-huh. her. And they're all like, Well, fuck me, I do. I love my goddamn <laughs> wife. Hate when that happens. <laughs> oh, it's so inconvenient. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Rude. So, yeah. So then you're right. Birdie then pulls her aside and he's like, I need to make a formal apology to you. I was absolute trash and I'm really sorry about it. And I am different with Rachel. I just, I would love it if you would forgive me as another Christmas miracle. And (laughs) she does. And she notes the bruise on his face. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, so that door you said you walked into. And he's like, yeah, it was was actually in the form of your husband's fist. So great. And then she's very pleased about that. She's like, oh, my God, he's hitting his friends for me. It is hot. This is, it is. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a pacifist, but I'd still be OK with that one. <laughs> Especially in this scenario. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. He defended her honor. Because Absolutely. he thinks she's worthy of her honor being defended in this relationship. That's huge. It is enormous. So well done. <sighs> well done, both of them. All of them. Yeah. Well done. So then they have the Christmas pageant. Bizarre pageant and it's 
wonderful. She makes everybody laugh as she introduces the children. She sits down and automatically puts her hand into his. And then he takes it because she puts her hand into his, immediately freaks out and is like, oh my God, what did I just do? And then he takes her hand in both of his and like chafes it a little bit. Oh, it's lovely. It is. Just these little moments, these little moments. Oh, yeah. Because that's what she wanted earlier in the carriage when they're first coming to the estate, just to hold hands and to finally get that. Oh, it's such a great payoff. Yeah. So then there's a party afterwards and he even gets pulled in to like do a sack race and things with eggs like party games i don't know (laughs) total silliness total silliness silliness. his his dignity is completely out the window at this Mm -hmm. point which i love him for yes yeah so then everybody goes home and then the carolers arrive right yes the carolers arrive and sing and of course the transoms will not allow the carolers to just sing their four songs and leave as they've done in the past they all join in they sing more songs they get food out they drink it's delightful and it's wonderful because he's like this has been the most depressing pressing stop on the carolers list for years because the lord and lady like would not deign to right the servants handled it all they just came out on the stairs well done blah blah we leave yeah and so now it's this joyous event and then they're like well we got to go to church now and by the time all the transoms are done plotting they're like well i guess we're all walking as a merry party and so he has to cancel all of the carriages that he had ordered. It's cute. And, he's, it's cute. and he's delighted by this. Because he gets to walk with his wife and yes. they go into the church and she Ugh. knows people by name, which is something yeah. previous countesses would not have deigned to learn anyone's name or to Ugh. greet them as friends. And so it's Ugh. it's just it's just this wonderful little moment. And it uh, is. They, they, and then there's they two want... proposals on the way home. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, our, our one of our Earl's friends, the one who was the widower who lost his wife and child, he's interested in one of the cousins or nieces or something like yeah. that. And she's interested in him. So they make plans to meet in the future. And then Bertie and Rachel decide that uh, they're going to be that together. He's going to speak to her father yes. on the way home uh, when they get home. And then another engagement oh, is announced. Yes. Guys, there's, there's so much love everywhere. So much love. So it's like <laughs> love actually, but less problematic. You know? But really good. <laughs> but love, comma, actually. Yes. Actually in a challenge. <laughs> yeah. For real. Love for real. For, for real this time. <laughs> <sighs> so, yes. And, you know, the Earl wants to talk to his wife on the way home, but he ends up escorting one of the elderly relatives who's getting tired. So they have to put off their big moment when they're finally going to bear their hearts and souls to each other until later that night. Yeah, because on the way home, they, they sort of have a, a little bit of a, a tiny misunderstanding because he's he says something like, marriage is uh, whatever and she's like it's not so bad is it question mark and he never gets the opportunity to answer (laughs) (laughs) so it's just hanging out there yeah so then they go home and the one of the uncles after they do the engagement celebrations he's like and i need to make another toast to joe her dad because he was the best father and the best brother and the best uncle and i'm crying oh devastating and i know that 
he's the one who wanted for us to leave off mourning and have a wonderful, happy family Christmas together. And so then Randolph, our Earl of Felidon, yes, is Randy. like, oh, it was him. It's not because she's an unfeeling slore. This was actually a real promise that she made to him. <laughs> I have to I have to read the paragraph. <gasps> yes, please. So the they're talking about her dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're in the Earl's point of view. And he's looking at his wife as they are reminiscing fondly about her dead father. Yeah. Eleanor was the marble statue again, totally without color or expression or motion. Her eyes gazed down at her hands, and he understood finally, and in a flash, he understood why she had shown no reaction to the straw outside her father's door and the rap knocker the morning after their wedding, and why she had not rushed upstairs to her father, but had stood warming her hands at the fire even when the doctor had come into the room. He understood why she had shown no emotion at all when announcing to him her father's death or the morning after on the day of the funeral. He understood that her feelings were too deep and too oh. terrifying to be expressed. The marble statue was marble only in a very thin veneer on the outside. Oh, God. Beneath, she was all warm, loving woman. Oh. <laughs> and she's about to fall. Eleanor is about to fall apart. So she slips from the room and he follows her. Yeah, she quietly leaves. <laughs> And now and, we're back in her point of view. Yeah. And so they go, I think, to the conservatory yes. because she wants she wants to feel some sort of warmth and she's just trying to find it anywhere. And so she's sitting there staring down at her hands when he walks in again and they start talking and he's like, I wish I had hugged you when you came down. And she's like, yeah, I, 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 I wanted think that. I, yes. I think I wanted that. But I, don't, I also don't know if I would have accepted it. Oh, and he says that he has a gift from her dad and she opens up this present and it's a um, it's a locket with a miniature of her mom and then a miniature of her dad from when like before he lost all of his weight and before he looked really sickly. And God, it's just gorgeous. <laughs> and then the letter. Yeah. Oh, the letter. Oh, he, her dad. Oh, this mastermind. He this, is, oh. he is, oh, I love mind fucks and books. And I tried to, <laughs> I tried to write them in all of mine. And I did not, I did not see this one coming at all. I know. Usually I can see when one is coming because I write them in almost all my books, <laughs> but I didn't see this one coming, yeah. which is her dad is the one. He did not think Wilfred was good enough for his daughter. Yes. He knew this guy was paper thin. So he went to Wilfred and said, I will give you a promotion if you dump Ellie. Yeah, I will buy your partnership if you give up my daughter. And Wilfred did it. And the trick was, oh, oh, the the trick trick, was if he had said, no, I don't want your blood money. I'm in love with Ellie. Then her dad would have given him the partnership and permission to marry Ellie. Yeah. But since he could be bought off, he was not worthy of her. Oh. Oh. So now she knows for a fact, not that she needed reminding, but (laughs) she knows for a fact that Wilfred did not love her. And she now knows for a fact that... Uh, her father is a mind-fucking genius and her husband oh. is the right man for her. Yes. And so they say I love you for the first time and it is beautiful and they like stand there hugging each other and he says, oh, because they had spoken earlier about how they wanted their house to be full of love and that's why she wanted to have children because she wanted an outlet for her love. And he says, Ellie, our house will be full of love. And it will be full of love when there are children. But there's love here now. Oh, I love oh, you. Oh. God. 
Oh, they came so far. They must be so tired after that journey. They're so tired. Oh, they've been through so... There's uh, People don't realize how exhausting emotion can be. These two need to yeah. sleep until after New Year's. For like three... Yeah. Yes. For like a week straight. Bang and sleep. So then the book ends with her being like, so I really think we should go bang it out now that we know we love each other. And he's like, yes, definitely. And also forever. <laughs> forever bang. A forever bang is what You know what I have. will say, <laughs> Tiffany? I have one regret about this book, and it's a small one. But I think that this would have been an A-plus, more-than-perfect book had I gotten one more scene where it like pulled the love and the passion and sort of the rough, the roughness that they bring out of each other in one, one more sex scene. So a bang in the conservatory, a wall bang. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, yeah I'll like write a, it for you. We're, we're passionately ripping each other's clothes off, but not out of hatred, out of like intense love <laughs> this time. I would not, I would not have minded that myself. Yeah, this is this is the thing in in about 90% of romance novels I read, I always feel like they end just a little before I want them to. I just want a little bit more at the end. And I think as I I suffer from this myself, you're so excited to be done. (laughs) (laughs) So I come I, I see it as a writer, which is this is the writer who's so excited to be done and doesn't want to put in what might come off to readers as a gratuitous sex scene. But to me, they are not gratuitous. But They're I can write not. you that fanfic. But I'm oh. so glad you enjoyed it because this book is so so special to me, and it is controversial. Several people I've recommended it to have not liked it just because the couple is so hateful to each other in the beginning. Whereas I oh. freaking love it because it's believable. I love it. That would be me. Yes. <laughs> Even now at age 41, mm-hmm. that would be me. If somebody made me leave my husband and go marry some jerk, yeah, <laughs> I would be quite angry. It would take more than two months to calm me down. <laughs> and and some of the things that people see as negative like their their hate fucking and and him having the mistress and and being nice to her i see as positives not negatives so same yeah yeah. completely so the book is not for everyone but it's for most people who love Mm -hmm. marriage of convenience romance novels and especially christmas and enemies to lovers enemies to lovers and deal with that christmas is a hard time there is acknowledgement of christmas being a hard time for people yes Um, and i i thoroughly appreciate that so it's 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 probably my favorite historical romance of all time so i'm so glad Mm -hmm. we got to talk about it hooray yeah same 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 Oh my gosh. Okay, so thank you so much. My pleasure. Do you have a lady love for the listener? You know, I went to get a massage this week and the massage is not <gasps> my lady love. I, you know, I have pain and so it's, it's more therapeutic mm. than than joyful, although they are very nice. But afterwards I was uh, waiting to uh, pay and I was playing with their moisturizers and yeah. I picked one up. It's a $102 bottle of moisturizer, but it was the tester. Whoa. I put it on and it was magic. It was like <gasps> my hands turned into silk immediately and Ooh. my nails were so like bleach white and beautiful so <laughs> yes so you should uh spring for the good moisturizer take care Ooh, take do you care know what that hands. one's called it, well it's it's a massage i go to massage envy and so it is one of okay. their massage envy brands but it's an exfoliating moisturizer and it's <laughs> it's oh god 102 dollars a bottle but if you can That's afford cool, it though 
it yeah. it was magic on my hands and i'm i'm going back for more i have to give some of this awesome. stuff to my mother for christmas so yes you know take care you are allowed to have nice hands it's winter take yeah. care of yourself so that's my lady it doesn't have to be that one you can just you know whatever level of nice moisturizer you can afford don't talk yourself out of it winter is tough on skin you deserve to have nice skin there you mm-hmm. go yeah absolutely I actually took I took some time out to do an exfoliating bath because I realized that like everything is chapped all of everything like I I drink a lot of water I know like between between the heating of my house and everything else there's no humidity when it's cold out yeah it's it's a nightmare so yes spring for the good moisturizer if your kids have to eat ramen for a week it's worth it they'll be fine they're young absolutely they won't remember that (laughs) they have plenty of collagen you don't (laughs) (laughs) so that's it true all right my lady love is it's partially inspired by this book but be gentle with yourself because the holidays as much as we want them to be picture perfect and create these you know beautiful wonderful memories for our families they can also, like Tiffany said, be incredibly, incredibly hard. For me in particular, they're hard because Christmas was my dad's favorite time of year. And he died of a lot of years ago. But it always it always makes me remember him more often. So yeah, be be gentle with yourself because yes, it's it's important to live in the moment and celebrate and have all of those highs. But I think we also need to honor our lows. Yes, absolutely. And honor the context that comes with a life well lived. So, yeah. Yeah. Be gentle and kind with yourself. I'm and sorry about your means- dad. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That would he be was tough. a wonderful guy. I'm sure he was. <laughs> and, you know, my one of my good Christmas memories is the first time I took my now husband, Andrew, home for Christmas and how much my family mm. welcomed him, even though he was oh. brand new and an outsider. So embrace yeah. the people who are there. Don't be one of those relatives who's like a jerk to the new boyfriend just because yes. they're like, who's this new guy? Embrace mm-hmm. them. You know, they might be around for a few years. It might be only one year, but, you know, make it a good memory. This is... This is Christmas. Open your heart. Let them in. Absolutely. That's so. really, really good. I wish <gasps> I wish everyone very, very happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, whatever you mm-hmm. eat or do not eat. I, uh, I toast you all uh, with a glass of white wine. Mm, indeed. All right. Keep being a badass. And love yourself as much as you love taking a train directly to Crotch Town. Yes. yes. One of us. One, One of, of us. us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah! Lilas. Okay, back to the show.